to the X Shack. This is episode two, and we'll be talking about Powers of Ten, written by John Hickman, featuring art by R.B. Silva, and inks from R.B. Silva, and Adreno. Warning, spoilers may be ahead. Alright, alright, so this is episode two. Um, If you tune into the last episode, you know that we did uh, House of X number one, Jonathan Hickman's uh, reboot, if you want to call it that, uh, the X-Men, and here we are, um, the highly anticipated follow-up powers of 10 um this this is going to be an interesting discussion all right so um we pretty much pick up uh in the past and this is around the time probably before professor x becomes professor x um the reason we know this is because he meets up with uh, moira mctaggart and um, it seems like this is the first time that they're meeting and there's something a little strange about this version of moira um, as they get to talking, he kind of uh, Professor X kind of discusses the fact that uh, he's had a dream of himself being in a um, better world, and Mora tells him that you know it's not a better world if it actually exists, and um, this kind of strikes Professor X a little weird, and he wonders if he knows Moira, and she says, "Yeah, you actually do know me very well. Um, read my mind." Uh, which throws him off a little bit. This is another reason why I'm pretty sure this is early on, um, because he uh, hasn't really told too many people that he has mutant abilities. He kind of still is keeping these things under wraps. And uh, as he reads her mind, um, we jump ahead. Um, but that's going to be the the um, the key or the the theme of this book is jumping ahead, because uh, we know that we're starting at. Um, Year one of the X-Men, year two, year 100, and year 1000. Um, and through this, we'll be going on a little journey with the, uh, the mutants. Um, and we are immediately thrust to the future, um, which I guess we would consider the present, um, with uh, Mystique finally returning from the mission that she was on in issue number one of House of X. Um, and she's kind of uh, a little weary because she wants a little bit more payment than just helping out fellow mutants. Um, and this is when we're kind of introduced that, you know, something really is weird with um, this version of Professor X that we've seen with the uh, cerebral helmet. And uh, we're not quite sure what it is, but he just says that everybody um, will uh, owe something to this cause. Um, from there, we're thrust for 100 years into the future. Um, during the uh, mutant human robot wars, uh, this crazy war going on, and there's all kinds of sentinels and humans and battle armor and all these different robots, and that's where we're introduced to um, a set of new characters. Um, one being Rasputin, uh, one being Priest, and one being um, Silo Bell. Um, Silo Bell uh, is in dire straits, and there's an attempted rescue by the rest of her teammates, and unfortunately, she is captured. And at this point, we find out that there is a lot of stuff that happened in the future. Um, we find out that there were indeed, uh, there was a time and point where um, Mr. Sinister 
of all people, um, became an ally to uh, Professor X and his mutants, and he began a genetic program, of course. Anybody who knows Mr. Sinister should not be surprised whatsoever about that. And um, during this program, he was able to find a way to actually combine um, mutant genomes. So he was able to take bits and pieces from different mutants and create new mutants and um, we get a breakdown of how he did this and some of the examples of what he did. Um, and Rasputin is used as one of these examples. And uh, we find out that she has a um, quite interesting mix mash of uh, DNA inside of her. Um, so she's got the DNA of uh, Quentin Quire, um, Rasputin, uh, Wolf's Bane, Kitty Pride, and Laura Kenny. So she is like an amazing um, battle killing machine. Uh, we find out that these mutants were actually bred for battle. Um, and as the process went on, there was a few different um, levels to Mr. Sinister's testing. And uh, the more and more that he created these mutants, um, the, each generation had a shorter expectancy of, of living. Um, he managed to do four generations, and the last generation only has a 62.3% chance of living. Um, pretty slim chances. A lot of these guys aren't expected to live. And uh, if you haven't guessed it, the mutants that were introduced to in the beginning, um, some of them are these generation four mutants. Um, we find out where the humans slash sentinel robots were taking uh, Bell, And uh, we find out that there has been an alliance made between sentinels and uh, I guess you might call them enhanced humans. A couple of them are enhanced. Uh, there is one in particular, I believe her name was uh, Omega. Yes, Omega. Um, and she's kind of like uh, Nimrod, who is the leader of this machine empire, which it was awesome to see Nimrod. I haven't seen Nimrod in a very, very long time. And it was fun seeing Nimrod. And I, I love the fact that Nimrod has so much emotion and is cracking jokes through this whole entire meeting um, with, with the, the humans in uh, Sylbell. And we find out that um, she has been bred, Sal Bell has been bred with a black brain. And uh, the mutants with black brains are bred to not only be um, powerful, but they're also bred to not be able to um, have their minds read. Uh, but there is a solution to this. And that solution is to give her what they call a bath, um, which are, um, it's a solution that has these nanites in them. And the nanites will go inside of the organism and basically download all the data from the organism and be able to feed it back to Nimrod's um, database, allowing Nimrod to know everything about um, the mutant or everything that they know. Uh, pretty effective, but the problem is, is it's said that once you go in, you do not come out. Uh, it's essentially a death sentence. Uh, you, you're stuck in the tank and um, you just kind of fade away. Uh, we also then get the breakdown of the um, Sentinel mutant breeding camps. It looks like that the Sentinels at one point during the war were breeding mutants um, to be hounds. And if you've read Days of Future Past, you know the hounds were used to actually track down other mutants. Um, and so that is exactly what they were doing. And uh, it seems that they went through a few different variations of this um, and each one was essentially uh, used in slightly different ways. So some of them were intended to actually um, get sympathy from the mutants so that they can actually 
infiltrate the camp and then destroy it from within and they found that that was not quite as effective as they wanted so they engineered a few other ones and eventually um, since these mutants were bred to betray they basically betrayed the um, sentinels and the humans and joined forces with their mutant brethren uh, and after that we're kind of thrown into seeing what happened to uh, Priest and Rasputin and we're also uh, greeted with a f couple of familiar faces so um, Zoran is there uh, Wolverine, of course Wolverine's still alive uh, Groot and what appears to possibly be Magneto but I'm under the assumption that, that it's not Magneto not because of the, um, the green outfit but more or less because this is 100 years in the future and uh, as far as I know Magneto can't survive that long so I'm willing to bet that this is going to be revealed to be a descendant or some kind of clone of Magneto uh, which begs the question, is there maybe still a version of Professor X? Um, maybe. Because uh, we're also told that um, there's only a handful of mutants left on Earth, if you will. There's eight, I believe it was. And then there's only a couple thousand mutants in existence. And most of them are um, on the Shi'ar Empire. And a couple of them are part of the Shi'ar Guard. And it was awesome to see the little Easter egg that the uh, empire is being led by Zandra, and if anybody read any of Mr. and Mrs. X, you will know that Zandra is the daughter of Professor X and Lilandra, um, a character that I love and was hoping would come back, and it's nice to see that maybe, possibly, Jonathan Hickman is acknowledging some of the current continuity, uh, you know, pre-House and Powers, so that, that, that would be nice. Uh, we're then, yet again, transported um, a thousand years into the future and we see that as uh, uh, Sarah Bell is still in the tube and we see that um, possibly humanity or mutants themselves have evolved and there is a new uh, creature um, I don't necessarily want to say it's a mutant or a human I'm assuming it's a mutant because this is the supposed to be the ascension of mutants finally um, reaching that superior level that they're supposed to reach and uh, an involved Nimrod. Um, and it seems that uh, maybe the war didn't quite go the way that Nimrod wanted to. Um, it looks like the mutants won and uh, the robots are, well, it seems that the Sentinels are in servitude to the mutants. And we also find out that they have... Um, some of humanity is still left. And uh, this humanity is in an area known as the Preserve, and it is essentially a dome with um, a few humans in there. I'm, I'm assuming that they're in there to be more of a, um, a zoo type thing. So it's gonna be kind of like the living zoo. I kind of hate bringing that up, but it's gonna be something like that where um, these humans are in the zoo where new ascended mutants can go and view them and, and kind of see what used to be before them. Um, overall, this is a very fun ride. If you enjoyed House of X, I am sure that you're going to enjoy Powers of Ten. Um, the problem is, is that if you're looking for answers, you're not going to find them here. Um, and that's not necessarily a problem. I mean, you, like I said on the last episode, you should be wanting more. You should be wanting to follow along and see how all this unfolds that's exactly what has happened uh, once again we have Hickman showing that he is building a universe and he is establishing something for the X-Men which is long overdue um, in my opinion and I am a little biased when I say that I, I'm, I'm an X-Men fan 
I thoroughly enjoyed this. I am definitely looking forward to um, next week's issue of House of X number two. Uh, I want to see exactly where we go from here. Um, since we're jumping back and forth, I am going to be under the assumption that until further notice, um, House of X will take place in the present and Powers of Ten will deal with the future possible ramifications on what's been going on. Um, I think it, it's going to be interesting to see what exactly Professor X is going to do with the um, version of Moira Metagger that he met in the beginning of this book. I want to see if that's going to affect any of his decisions moving forward or, you know, if indeed we're dealing with Professor X in the current time or um, what's going on. I, I know that uh, during the astonishing X-Men run, Professor X had the body of Phantom X. So I'm wondering if, you know, spending some time in Phantom X's body, if maybe that has twisted his mind a little bit. Um, if you read Astonishing X-Men, you know, Professor X came back and he um, wasn't quite the same guy. So uh, I, I would love to see how this is going to turn out. Um, this is definitely living up to the hype for me. Um, I don't expect any solid concrete answers as of yet. I expect to be wondering and guessing what's going on. Uh, more than likely, if I have to call it, I'm going to say issue four of both House and Powers is when we're going to finally get a grasp of what's going on. I could be wrong about that. It could be a little later than that. It could be five, might even be six when we finally understand what's going on. But I'm, I'm still along. I am still here. If you uh, listened to the last episode, you know that I said that House of X was a definite read, read, read. So is Powers of Ten. Um, if you love the X-Men and you want to see a great story being told with them, these two books are a must-pick-up. Um, I know that they're selling out fast. Um, so if you don't mind waiting for a second printing, or even if you got to go get your digital copy, um, go and read these books. Uh, and I, I would love to hear feedback on what other people are thinking. Um, I've talked to a few people. And a lot of us are in the same line of thought where, yeah, we're a little confused as to what's going on, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because this is a big mystery that we're trying to put together. And all of us are interested to see where this goes from here and what will happen with the X-Men. Uh, I know we're being solicited with titles coming after this. So once the dust, the dust settles, I want to see what the landscape looks like. Um, I want to know what's going on with Nimrod. I want to know more about this war that popped up again. Um, I want to know more about, they speak of Asteroid K. I want to know if that's Krakoa. Um, I, I want to know what's going on with Professor X. I want to know a lot. There's so much that I want to know. And I, I feel like those things will be answered. I feel like this is a much bigger story than what we're thinking it is going into it. And yeah i'm just really really thrilled with this um it's been the first time in a while that i've been um let's say blessed with some good x-men storytelling so i hope that this continues on and jonathan hickman you are doing a great job um highly doubt you're going to hear this but if somebody passes along let them know that i have been an x-men fan um since adolescence and i think that he definitely has something great set up and that he definitely has something great planned. And I would love to see where all this goes. And I would love to see how some of my favorite mutants are going to play into this um, moving forward, whether it be this story or the next arc. 
But until next time, I'll see everybody later.